Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of College and Career Coffee Chats with your host, Delicia Alarcón, your resident Haitia and grad school fairy godmother with some cafecito. Always. I hope you grab your café, your water, your tea, your yerba mate, your wine, if it's after hours, to listen in on this conversation about college and career, following your bliss, figuring out what you want to do in life, eliminating the gatekeeping and the fancy big words that we use in higher education and corporate settings to really gatekeep first-gen and BIPOC individuals. So I hope this podcast serves as a space where you feel heard, seen, and safe to have all these conversations and ask all the hard questions and the big questions. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of College and Career Coffee Chats. I'm so, so excited because I have your business Ada Madrina here, Ashley K. Stoyanov Ojeda here with me today. Everyone say hi. So exciting. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't have my physical HIFA and training book yet. So I will be cheersing with Ashley a little PDF version. Um, And if you have your cafecito, wine, energy drink, water, tea, whatever floats your boat today, we can cheers on the call to celebrate launch week. Cheers. So everyone get cozy with your drink. If you have the book with you in hand, if you don't have it, pause this episode and go get it right now. (laughs) So I'm really, really excited to have her here. It's about a week out since launch. She launched on February 22nd, 2022. So whenever you hear this, know that that's the special birthday of her book and we're about a week out and this episode's gonna um release on let's see what's the date on thursday march 3rd so if you're logging in this week let us know leave us a review make sure you order the book um and i'm gonna introduce who she is and then she can take it away so she is a business development and communication strategist for startups, the Mujerista Own Trail and more, business coach for the new majority and author of the first Spanglish business launching book for the next generation of Latinas Jefas in Training, which is what we have here. <laughs> and if you're listening versus watching us, we're cheersing with the book. <laughs> so... Ashley, would you like to introduce everyone from your vantage point, where you are, who you are, and let's dive into discussing this book. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I'm Ashley, your business Madrina, also author of Jefa in Training, which I am incredibly excited to chat more about and dive into that in a little bit. Um, when I'm not writing books, I work with many, many uh, women on growing their businesses and launching their businesses, uh, mainly Latinas, which has been probably the proudest accomplishment of my life. And it's just, it makes me so happy to see so many of us just doing what we do and and launching and growing enterprises and it's it's very quite exciting to see (laughs) yes I was um reading through the chapters that I have access to and one of the things that really stuck with me is some I wish I had this book when I graduated college to be honest (laughs) Uh, or going through college but 
I think the overarching theme that we'll talk more deeply in this conversation is a Toni Morrison quote that I always keep next to me is, if there's a book that you want to read, but it hasn't been written yet, you then you must write it. So I feel like Ashley's book, If I'm Training, really is at the heart of that quote, because in the introduction, she talks about how there was no book about training for Latin entrepreneurs or anyone who wants to get into business, whether it's a like brick and mortar business or an artistic venture, whatever that looks like for you, you get to define that. Um, there's no handbook, right? There was no handbook until this book came out. And I'm sure there's like blogs now about 10 years out of the big uh, Instagram boom and like online uh, blogging communities. There's a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of artists now um, that you can connect with, but none really in Spanglish or in um, written with the voice of a Latina. So how do you identify as Latina? Where did you grow up? What is your background to kind of give um, our listeners a glimpse of who you are? And how did this book uh, come to life? Sure. Um, so I grew up in Queens, New York. Um, my mom is Mexican, the Michoacan, uh, specifically the Morelia. And I, I like to think that I, I grew up not half there, but definitely like a quarter of my lifetime has been spent in Mexico. Um, we would go back for months at a time. Uh, whenever I wasn't in school, I was in Mexico. That's just kind of how it was. And I grew up surrounded by my very large Mexican family down there, which I'm I'm very close to, you know, I, I've always thought that it, it's a, it's a beautiful thing because I have about 20 first cousins down there. Cause my mom is one of eight. Um, and we're all in this group chat on WhatsApp called <laughs> Club Primos. <laughs> and I, I just, I've always found it so amazing that no matter what I'm going through in my life, like I can just put it in the Club Primos group chat and instant, like, support jokes like anything if one of us is having a bad day and we need uh, a boost like we're just all <laughs> chime in it doesn't matter how far away we are from each other we're all we're all very close um and i think that you know with my cousins even though we're family we're all very different people mm -hmm. um different interests different professions you know um but at the end of the day we we all feel like we understand each other because we have this this bond to each other and I think that as I've gotten older I've looked for more and more close friendships that are like that um and that's something that I found that was really lacking until I found what is now the Mujerista Network which is the online community for Latinas that I co-created with Maribet the founder of Mujerista um and that's really where I found like my family online <laughs> you know <laughs> because it was in the height of of covid in 2020 mm -hmm. when it just started all so it was just it that's kind of been my journey of of being a latina i was just you know growing up with my mom and and going to mexico all the time and spending a lot of time with my family to then working alongside many latinas and helping them grow and connecting them to resources and it just it makes me 
makes me proud. <laughs> yes. We have to take pride in where our family comes from and everyone's experience with their home culture is different and our connection to it. Uh, but I think the underlying theme of Mujerista and the online platform is to show pride of who we are, where we come from, and kind of honor that lineage and ancestry. Mm -hmm. So I love that. And I know that in the intro, you talk a little bit about your journey from moving from New York City, like you mentioned, you grew up in Queens, all the way to Portland, Oregon, mm -hmm. <laughs> which is a cross country move. Um, and moves are big transitions and changes. And this is culturally East Coast, West Coast difference. Uh, I grew up in New Jersey, tri-state areas. Um, for those of you who are listening may not know that about me. My family's from Paraguay. It's also first generation Latina. And I'm curious what prompted that move? Why Portland, Oregon compared to New York? If you're a, a writer or an artistic individual, it seems like this quote floats around. If you can make it in New York, you can make it anywhere. Um, so kind of how does that hold true in your experiences? You know, well, I've got to say I've done three cross-country moves at this point. So <laughs> oh my God. I would consider myself an expert at cross-country <laughs> road trips too. We drove every time. Oh New, my York, God. New York to Portland, Portland back to New York, New York to Florida, and then Florida to Portland. So I guess that makes four actually. Wow. I just did the cross-country move from Pennsylvania to Florida. That's a whole other conversation, but I would love to hear your experiences. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is true what they say. If you can make it in New York, you can make it anywhere. Um, I, well, I think that used to be true. I think okay. especially now with everything being so virtual, right? Like you can connect with literally anyone on the internet. I think that for the most part, like gone are the days where you really having to be somewhere. Um to really immerse yourself in the space there are are obviously exceptions like if you're physically performing somewhere like right. if you're an actor or a musician you know having the opportunity to go and perform in front of the people that you want to connect with that's a different story um for a writer and and songwriter really both of these things like you don't really have to be anywhere um I think as long as you're immersed in these spaces online, um, that wasn't entirely true in 2015 when I first made the move to Portland, Oregon, but I think I was just looking for a break. Mm. Um, you know, I, I say it all the time. Like I'm a very like, go, go, go kind of person because I'm from New York, because I'm a Capricorn, whatever you want to call it. Right. <laughs> But there's always so much noise in New York. And I grew up used to that, right? But I think I also just got tired of it and tired of waking up, getting my coffee, taking the subway 45 minutes, working, taking the subway back 45 minutes, and then doing whatever I needed to do at home or going out and not getting home until late. It just, it gets exhausting. And um. I think that I just really needed a break from all the noise to really be able to find myself um, after college and really figure out what I wanted to do. And that's exactly what happened. Not in the way that I thought at all, <laughs> but, but that is what it ended up happening um, here in Portland. And I've just connected to the 
environment so much. Um, you know, it's it's a city surrounded by mountains and the coast is also close by, about a couple hours drive away. It's a city that's grown a lot. Um, it doesn't feel, it's not as big as New York, obviously, but it also doesn't feel so small where I feel trapped. Like I lived in the suburbs of Miami and that was horrible for me. <laughs> so don't ever bring me back to the suburbs. I won't like it there. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just, it's, it's a nice place for me to be able to balance, you know, um, working hard on my own stuff. And then also giving miles myself the space to breathe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and thankfully, my partner, my, my husband feels the same way. So we've kind of both found our, our little happy place here. <laughs> I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. You have your support spaces and your connections in that city. So that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And did you move right after college or did you spend some time? I know you talked about New York. So did you move right yeah. after? Um, about a year after. So I actually I had visited Portland the year that I was graduating college um, to visit my cousin who's, who's been out here for quite some time. And I hadn't seen her in a long time. And we were talking and she was just like, Hey, why don't you come for your spring break? And I was just like, sure. And so she took me around. I fell in love with how green everything was and how Mm -hmm. nice the people were here. And the cost of living is also definitely less expensive than New York. And um, I just fell in love with all of the possibilities, really, of living here um, and kind of finding my own creative community. And I told my cousin in 2014, like, things are going really well in New York right now. But if for whatever reason stuff does not go great in New York, <laughs> like I will consider moving here. And she was just like, yeah, yeah. Like, let me know. Like I have an extra room. You can stay with me until you get your own place, whatever, whatever. I kind of put it in the back of my mind because everything was going great in New York at that point. Like I was about to graduate. I was in a relationship. I had a band and we were like kind of starting to blow up. Like it, that's so things- fun. Yeah, it was an all-girl Latina rock band. It was great. I love um, that. But then my drummer got deported and oh, my no. guitarist wanted to go solo. It was it was a whole thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but um, we were badass for a while. Um, for, <laughs> we had a short-lived, very badass uh, string of shows, but things were going well at the time. And then around the beginning of 2015, things started to not really go so well. So I called up my cousin and I was like, hey, uh, do you still have that spare bedroom? Because I think I might want to go <laughs> live with you for at least maybe a few months, you know? And then yeah. uh, she was like, yes, like, rent it. Like, you know, like, I still mm-hmm. have the room. And um, so I was like, cool. So I went, I I came back in March of 2015 to, like, check things out again. My cousin was busy with school and stuff. So I told her to, like, leave me alone and just let me kind of figure out the city by myself Mm -hmm. uh, as if I lived here already and kind of poke around to see where I would work and stuff like that. And so I did. And I still loved it. So when I went back to New York, I told my parents, like, hey, uh, I just need three months to save up some money. And then I'm out of here. 
And that was that. What I did not expect was in those three months to run into my high school boyfriend and for us to start dating again and for him to follow me out to Portland <laughs> and for us to get married. <laughs> oh, my God. That's the part I did not expect at all. <laughs> Wait, so all of that happened right before you moved to Portland in those three months? Correct. <laughs> well, no, we okay. We didn't get married, but like, I, yes, yeah, yeah. I, ran, I ran into my, yeah, my yeah, yeah. high school sweetheart, my on and off high school sweetheart. That's a story for a different time. Oh yeah, that, um, part two, part two for the part podcast, two, part two for the cheese me about that. Um, but um, but yeah, no, we we started hanging out again, and then I moved to Portland, and I was like, I miss you. And he was like, I miss you too. Aww. And then he moved, and then that's it. That was it. For the me. the rest is history. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. That's um so serendipity to have uh pro- reconnected with him, and then him making that move to be with you kind of put probably pushed your support networks to want to stay there even more so when you have a partner you can do life together so that's awesome Mm -hmm. and so what did you major in college just to frame um because since we talk about college and career and career pivots on the podcast um to frame your experiences within what you majored and then kind of talk about your journey as a writer and getting published and how the path is not linear is the theme of season two on the podcast so um in our chats before recording that's kind of what we talked about too so Mm -hmm. I would love for everyone to hear kind of your collegiate journey but then realize where I'm eight years out of college it's like wow (laughs) anything you planned at freshman year is like out of the window (laughs) I know well so I went to Hunter College and I majored in media communications and I minored in Spanish um I originally wanted to major in psychology because I've always liked helping people and I've always known that I'm good with people um, like I've always known that that's, that's a skill that I have people skills. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people don't have that. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so <laughs> just saying, if you have the people skills, <laughs> you will get far in this world. Um, another talk for another time. <laughs> Part three. <laughs> Part three. Um, and about like a quarter of the way through my psych major, I was like, hey, I'm not really that great at science. I probably should not continue this. What <laughs> else do I like to do? Oh, I like to write. I've always liked writing. I've been called a good writer. Maybe I should go into journalism. Um, someone told me that journalism was a dying industry back then which was back then right like 2010 like 2011 so interesting so I got scared and I was like all right maybe I should like broaden my spectrum a little bit and just major in general media so the media major at Hunter like kind of teaches you a little bit about everything and you actually Mm -hmm. take you know intro to publishing music business I literally took a class called Latina women where we just read books about Latinas and watched movies about that Latinas and analyze them like it was a really cool major I took some intro to design um intro to html like journalism of course pr um some marketing glasses like I it took a little bit of everything um but I finally ended up uh interning at record labels um and also mtv uh in pr so that's kind of where I got my start in like the 
the middle ground of journalism and PR. Um, and I liked it. I liked it a lot. And I learned a lot about how to promote stuff mm-hmm. and put that out there. And, and um, that actually helped me a lot when I started my first organization um, after college. Um, but that was kind of my journey in school as I was really focusing on being in the music industry because at the same time I was performing a lot with my bands and solo. Um, and I also thought like that was really what I wanted to do for the rest of my life, just be in the music industry and be a songwriter. And, um, and I would literally cut class to like go rehearse in the practice rooms <laughs> at school. I was not the best student. I will say that. Um, but, you know, I liked I liked learning. I just don't think I've always liked learning. I just don't think I liked being forced to learn at a specific time. <laughs> in a specific place in a, a specific, specific amount place. of time. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, so that that idea never really sat well with me. But you know, so I started in PR and then I I was also like looking for like I was always writing like articles for like I think not her campus. There was another one that was around like when I was in school and I, I also kept a blog in college which started out as a homework assignment and it's just something that I continued um and it was kind of like a a, like an early feminist blog for me like I talked a lot about like body image issues in the media and um like how women were represented in the media it's very interesting how my journey has evolved (laughs) yeah um and uh yeah. And then I just focused on songwriting for a little bit. Um, and then when I moved to Portland, I started the nonprofit, which was my first entrepreneurial venture. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of really opened the doors for me because I learned so much about everything, um, not just PR, but just how to build a foundation and how to build a community and manage other people and so many other things and that kind of brings us to now because Hefan training is highly inspired by all of the things that I should have done (laughs) and did not do and like you said it is the book that I wish I had back Mm -hmm. then you know yeah absolutely I remember I don't know why I'm thinking of the book the defining decade right now it's probably because I read it after I graduated college, like the summer before I started Teach for America, which is what I pivoted right after undergrad. But that was the only book I think that was kind of available to figure out what is next. And it had Hefan training existed, I probably would have bought this and been like, this is what I need to be doing, kind of figuring out my ideas, figuring out entrepreneurship and kind of putting it on paper. I mean, I love my experiences as a teacher. I also majored in psychology and Spanish language and literature. So this is very interesting that you're the second person I interview that has psych and Spanish interests (laughs) and then pivoted to like media and communication. So there's something going on there in the stars and aligning us um, to connect. Um, Fun fact for our astrologers out there. I'm a Libra, but my North Node is in Capricorn. So this is very interesting. Yeah, that you're Capricorn. But well, that's part four, guys. (laughs) 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 For conversation off uh, the podcast. But um, we can make it a podcast too. Um, Whatever people want, let us know. Um, But what I was going to say is that um, 
the same with psychology. Halfway through, I realized I don't want to be a clinical psychologist. I love supporting people. I love connecting with them and helping them, but I don't want to sit as a clinician. Um, and But I loved my Spanish language and literature writing and reading and all the Latin American history topics that we discussed. And um, for anyone listening, if you're in college right now, what are the classes that are really pulling at your heartstrings and what are you really enjoying? Um, whether you are in the major that you want to be or just in one or two classes, like I think listen to that curiosity and listen to that um, inner knowing because the same with me in terms of writing, they say, oh, what are you gonna get with a Spanish major? Like all you're gonna do is be a teacher. And I was like, hold up. My grandmother was a teacher for 40 plus years and she loved it. That's not a bad thing, right? Being an educator, but it was framed in the narrative of like, why would you settle for that? Um, so shout out to all the teachers out there, but kind of similar to what you shared with the dying field of um, journalism when we're in the digital journalism age now. So it's just changed format, but still exists. Um, so you hear all these narratives like, oh, side question. Do you still run the nonprofit in Portland? Um, yeah. I do. I do. Well, the story about the nonprofit is that it started in Portland, but within a year it expanded to 16 cities. That's um, amazing. And that was part of my big mistake <laughs> because <laughs> I, it sounds impressive and yeah. it really, it was, it was. And the reason it grew so fast is because of my PR background. Like literally okay. at that point, the only thing I knew how to do was promote what we were doing. So that's the only thing that I was doing. I wasn't focusing on the actual foundation of what we were doing, <laughs> which is why it grew to a point where I literally couldn't grow it anymore because the foundation was not <laughs> set. Um, there was no strategic plan. There was no financial plan. There was no, there was no real vision. Um, like I knew what I didn't, I knew what I wanted it not to be. Um, but I had not set out like a plan really. And I know right. plans change and that's fine, but I had never actually had the time because it took off so quickly to actually build out all of this stuff that it's necessary if you're trying to grow sustainably. Um, and so COVID obviously hit us pretty hard because when you're an organization that focuses on hosting live music events and live music is not around, you know, <laughs> we, we tried the virtual event thing for the first year and a half. And then I gave my team a break towards the end of last year and we're turning five actually this month. Um, huh? and we have a pretty huge announcement towards the end of the month, which I'm not going to share yet. So just yeah. keep, keep your eyes peeled for woman crush music updates. <laughs> yes. Stay tuned. Make sure you're following Ashley and all social media. I will drop all the links below. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the Instagrams and the websites. <laughs> um, well, my question, what was I going to ask before we did the little detour? Um, oh, how did you transition from, or did you always know you wanted to write a book 
is kind of one question. And then two is how did you go from this nonprofit world to writing and then publishing? And what does that journey look like for someone who did study media, but identifies as Latina? Um, I'm sure you've experienced imposter syndrome along the way, even though people may tell you you're a good writer, but it's a whole different story to get on your laptop or physically start the book. Um, and now it's here and alive with us in the world. I know. I still can't <laughs> believe it, to be honest with you. I know. I can't wait to get mine so that I can go like this and like smell the pages. <laughs> I do that. <laughs> so if you're not watching on this on YouTube and just listening, we're um, going through our books and smelling we're the pages. just smelling paper. That's exactly <laughs> The, the genius words that Ashley has put in the book. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, so I've, I've, I've always liked to write, like, no matter what, yeah. like, whether it be like writing articles or writing music. Um, it's just always been a way that I could better express myself. Because at this point, I think I'm, I'm a pretty uh, thorough speaker, but before I was a little bit more on the shy side. So actually when I would get into fights with my mom as a teenager, I was kind of scared of her. So I would, <laughs> she's going to listen to this. She's going to be like, but like, you know, we were kind of butt heads a little bit as, as most people probably do with their parents when they're teenagers. And I, if I could go back in time and tell my 15 year old self something it would be, be nicer to your mom. She, she's really trying with you. <laughs> um, but I digress. Uh, that's episode five. <laughs> Part five guys. <laughs> um, but yeah, I would like, I would write her letters. Um, and same thing, like with all of my boyfriends, like I would write them letters because I just felt like I couldn't express myself speaking to them that, that writing was the better option. So I've always known that like writing was kind of my thing, whether whatever form it, it took, um, that kind of changed. Um, and so writing a book was definitely always like something. And I was just like, huh, I could do that one day. Like, I definitely can see myself doing that one day. Did I think it was going to happen before 30? No, <laughs> definitely not. Um, but, you know, during this transition phase of woman crush music, when I hit that wall, which was around year two, between year two and three of us being around, I felt like I needed to write something like this. So I started to write, I started to write the book, like probably towards the end of the end of 2018, 2019, I started kind of just like investigating, like, what do I need to do to be able to pull this off? Um, I have always been really good at just winging things um, mm -hmm. and just not being afraid of diving into something, even though I don't really know what I'm doing. Um, and so I just kind of tried to gather all of the information that I could, which is, which is what I always do, right? When I say I want to do X, Y, Z, the first thing I do is I do in-depth research about the thing that I want to do to see the steps that other people have taken to be able to do it. And then I start executing from there. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and then if I need to ask for help and pull someone in for help, I will do that. But I always do extensive research. There is a part in HIFUN training that's about market research. And please mm-hmm. do not skip the part because it's very, very important um, with anything that you're going to do. Right. So at that point, I started to write. And then I started seeing a lot of articles like you have to pitch to agents, you have to, you know, pitch to publishers, this, this and that. And so I started to do that. I got many rejections from agents. Um, and I got a little bit discouraged. Um, I kind of forgot about, I didn't forget, but life happened. COVID happened. My move Mm -hmm. to Florida happened. So many things happened between 2019 and 2020 that I just got wrapped up in other projects, trying to Mm -hmm. keep Women Crush afloat throughout the pandemic. Uh, we planned like a 12 city virtual tour in 2020 like it was wild 2020 was wild um and uh at that point I kind of had the book on the back burner and I started talking to someone that I had met through the Mujerista for a project that we were doing and I did not know she was an acquiring editor for Mango Publishing which was actually on my dream publishers list um that I'd never approached I was always too scared So I started talking to this girl named Jessica and she was just like, you know, like, I really like you and I really like your vibe and I really like what you're doing. Like, are you writing a book? And I'm like, uh, (laughs) yes. (laughs) So I was just like, yes, I am. How did you know? (laughs) And of course, after that, I had to revisit the proposal that I started writing two years prior that I had not looked at in a really, really long time probably a year to the date. And I stayed up all night, like kind of fixing it, trying to make it more unique, um, tie it into everything that I was doing currently because things had changed. And that was the first, the first time that HIFUN training was like really started to go on paper, um, like the chapter outlines and the idea to have like people interviewed and and have their tips in there. The idea of a workbook all kind of came about during that proposal phase. Uh, Jessica, the editor, loved the idea. She took it to her team. They liked it, but not enough. So they actually passed on it. Um, But uh, they passed on it because the proposal was not really where it needed to be. Um, so I learned a lot about proposal writing throughout this whole process. So if anyone's trying to write a book, let me know. <laughs> You're a um, business ala madrina with yeah. supporting publishing and writing. Yes, business ala madrina here to help, <laughs> of course. Um, and so I learned a lot about that, that whole thing. And this whole process has been such a huge learning experience. I'm still learning, you know, through this launch <clears> process. Um, but they finally offered me a deal a few months later and the book came together very quickly after that. And I think it wasn't until like I signed the contract that I think I have a video of me signing the contract and being like, oh shit, what did I just do? (laughs) Like, can I actually do this? I remember I called my mom and I'm like, mom, I think I'm writing a book. I just got a book deal. And she was like, okay. I'm like, I know <laughs> this is crazy. <laughs> and of course, then the imposter syndrome set in a little bit. Like, what am I doing? Like, am I actually going to be able to do this? And in the book, there's a whole section on imposter syndrome. 
Um, and in the book, I write that I think that the reason that we feel imposter syndrome is because we don't see people like us doing the things that we want to do. So every time that we decide to do something and we do it, we are actually paving the way for so many more people like us so that maybe, I hope, with HIFUN training being out in the world now, that the next time a young creative entrepreneur, Latina, wants to write a book, they won't be so afraid anymore because they'll be like, well, Ashley did it and her path was very like, all over the place. <laughs> so maybe I can do it too. And the answer is yes. Yes, you can. <laughs> you can do it. If I can do it, anyone can do it. Um, so that's really how it all happened. I love that. And what I hear from the story is networking, a little bit of divine timing or luck or juju or universe, whatever you want to call it, God whatever your creed is, um, networking, some higher power at play connects you with the publisher for Mango um, in that space and then kind of persevering through your story, right? Because I think at some point we have imposter syndrome, but then we realize the vision and the representation is greater than us and greater than our fear. So we have to show up. We have to do it, right? Not only for ourselves, but like you said, paving the way for other young Latinas or anyone who finds the book and gets a hold of it and they feel inspired and they feel seen in the space. Um, so kind of those three things jumped out at me with hearing that story. And another part that really I love that this book is a living, breathing um, experience because it's a, uh, a book that you tell stories throughout and navigating um, tips, but then it's a workbook. So it makes you engaged and you have to take action in the book. And then you hear stories from other people, other community members that you have connected with and you share their story. So it's a really, I think, collaborative, immersive kind of experience. And that's the vibe that I got from uh, what I started reading. And I'm like, I love this because it's like a co conversation with your with other jefas that are on this journey with you. I'm um, like, a, you're literally, I'm getting goosebumps, literally building a community of jefas who are in training, who are trying to figure this entrepreneur life out, this creative life out, this, um, what is the next step? It, and if you want to be an entrepreneur, if you don't want to be an entrepreneur, you can still take the resources in here um, and help you in your career and what that looks like with if you're in corporate, if you're in higher education, whatever that is, you still need structure and community and support and kind of a workbook to like figure out that next step, right? As first gen, you're still first gen after you graduate college. Or if you don't graduate college, that's okay too, whatever you decide in life. I feel like we we need a, a roadmap kind of supporting mm -hmm. us along the way. I mean, our parents do the best they can from their lived experiences and from what they can teach us, right? I feel like they teach us grit, resilience, um, perseverance in many ways coming from immigrant families. Um, but navigating the US as our spaces, um, sometimes we need support in higher ed and business and all of that. So um, that's kind of what came through when you were telling your story. Yeah, for sure. And I, I also want to say that I, I think things doors really opened up for me when I solidified my personal why mm. and if I look back on 
everything that I've ever done in my life. Um, the whole reason for my existence, I feel, it has always been to create opportunities for other people like me, women, Latinas, um, creatives, you know, children of immigrants, like genuinely underrepresented people in their industries. Um, you know, I've always, for whatever reason, been attracted to white male dominated industries maybe it's like a control thing because like I feel like I I want to take over everything (laughs) but maybe I'm just starting to psychoanalyze myself now a little bit podcasts make me do that I realized (laughs) yeah it's a self-reflective process yeah um yeah uh shout out to the navit podcast it's a it's a financial app i was just on their podcast and we did a mm-hmm. whole episode about my money mindset and how it's shifted uh-huh. that was a good one i literally at the end of the episode said i think i just went to therapy <laughs> <laughs> yes oh money mindset in latinas part seven <laughs> highly highly recommend that podcast as well um but yeah i i think you know just kind of thinking about like you were saying in college like the courses that you're taking like which ones are you really interested in kind of taking that a step further like you know if you're taking journalism like is it like the pitching that you really like or is the actual writing process because if it's Mm. the pitching that you like there's so much that you can do with pitching you know there's so many different jobs that you can have with that and if you start your own business you definitely have to do a lot of that (laughs) so um you know it's just it's really thinking about what you like about what you're doing right now um and if you don't like anything that's also fine that also gives you the opportunity to just start over (laughs) you know and and really take a look and, and try different things Absolutely. Yeah. Try and and figuring out what you don't like is also part of the process. Mm. And that's okay. If you do an internship and you're like, I actually don't like any of this or any part of this, then great. Now you can cross that off your checklist and like go to the next curiosity or go to the next thing. Um, Yeah. Or finding a way. I think uh, my brother's story is, is very interesting too. Um, My brother started out studying finance um, and halfway through, he was just like, yeah, Wall Street guys, not really that great people. Like, I'm not sure if I want to surround myself. My brother's way too nice of a guy to like (laughs) be in the finance world, I think. Um, But what he ended up doing is he ended up switching to computer science and he's actually graduating this year um, in just a couple of months. And he's already been offered a job in computer science, but at a bank. He'll be starting at Deutsche Bank um, in the fall. So I'm super, super proud of him. But I think he's another example of like pivoting, but also finding a way to combine both of your interests, Mm -hmm. you know? Absolutely. He's probably going to use what he learned in finance in his computer science um, position and kind of marry the two. Exactly. I love that. See, another great example of pivoting. (laughs) (laughs) So we talked a little bit about first generation and being first gen in in higher ed and then business world. Um, How would you define higher, uh, not higher ed, how would you define first gen outside of like the textbook definition? What does that mean for you if you strongly identify with that identity marker? Um, I do. Um, 
I do, and I and I think that being first gen to me means having to not having to but having the opportunity to create new possibilities for future generations. Um, I think that, you know, I, I obviously didn't really think much, much about this until I was much older, but my dad didn't go to college. My mom did, but Mm -hmm. in Mexico. And so it wasn't actually valid here. Um, Mm -hmm. which is something that I think is so stupid by the way. (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) But, um, like for a person to like work their whole life to like get a bunch of degrees and then come to the states and be like oh like you gotta do it all over again <laughs> like why anyway why why isn't there a universal system <laughs> episode eight <laughs> episode eight um but i i thought about it a lot like when i graduated school and when i started kind of finding my own professional journey and early thought like damn but like even though my parents did not have entre or have not, I'm not going to say did not because they still have time to start businesses if they want to. Um, They have not yet been on entrepreneurial paths. I do think that both of them set me up for this journey with the values and the skills that they instilled in me. Um, I was very, very lucky to have their support throughout all of my phases of my career when I was ready to drop out of college to like be a touring rock star. They didn't say drop out. It's fine. But they were just like, you only have a year left. Just like do it. And then you can go on tour. You know, (laughs) my dad was always at all of my shows um, cheering me on, you know, first one there, last one to leave, like always there. My mom, too. Um, And, you know, when I told them that I wanted to start a business, they were like, yes, do it. You know, and I I think that I I was just very, very lucky to have that support right off the bat. And they didn't push me to get a real job. Like I know, Mm. I know a lot of first gens kind of have that pressure to get quote unquote real (laughs) jobs. Um, So, yeah. Yeah, the lawyer, lawyer, engineer, or um, what's a doctor? Those are your only three career paths. Um, <laughs> I mean, similar to your story, I, I also didn't have the pressure to kind of get a real job, even though in many ways I, I did. But then entrepreneurship also happened. So um, similar to you, it's I have this idea, I have this plan, or I want to go live in Brazil for a year. They're like, yeah, great. If you can figure it out, we support you. If yeah, if you know basically. how to do it, <laughs> if you know we how to don't do gotta it. Pay, if we don't gotta pay for it, vaya con Dios, Enjoy, have fun. <laughs> exactly, I love that, and that's something um, I I talk a lot about with my parents too. It's like that privilege of having that support because I do know friends and um, students who I work with don't necessarily have that uh, parental support. So they have extreme anxiety around changing their majors or picking another job or pivoting their career. So a lot of like mindset and uh, deconstructing work happening there when I work with them. Um, But personally, my lived experience, similar to yours, it's um, kind of navigating with open arms about adventures Mm -hmm. in life. And um, also understanding a lot of my 
grandparents were entrepreneurs, but not in the traditional sense that we hear maybe here in the US, right? They had their corner stores in, in Paraguay mm-hmm. um, and they were business people in their own villages and their own towns. Um, so kind of figuring out your lineage and your stories and realizing that maybe your parents and your grandparents were entrepreneurs and you just weren't you just didn't grow up framing it that way. Maybe mm-hmm. um, it was mostly maybe, Oh, they were surviving. They were trying to figure out life. They were trying to put food on the table. So um, that's another area where you can maybe get support or garner um, perseverance in your own histories. Um, mm-hmm. So a deep dive into your life journey and who your people are is also part of the process. For sure. So as we wrap up this episode, uh, before we leave, I do want to read two parts of like your intro about what it's all about and your why, which I think are great for listeners to hear. But before all of that, what would be one or two things you would tell your younger self um, after going through your journey in college and life and writing a book um, or anything in general? Um, be nicer to your mom. <laughs> <laughs> Listen up to friends. <laughs> um, I, I think especially for, for us first gens, I, I think we need to be, this is on a personal note on the mom thing. Like, I think just being more understanding that a lot of times they come from very different worlds with very mm-hmm. different values. Um, just take my mom for example like she grew up in Mexico in a very catholic like conservative traditional family where like literally none of her sisters went to college except for her because they were all expected to like be housewives um Mm -hmm. and uh and she I I don't know like really how things were for her um, when she chose to go to school, we have actually never talked about it. I might call her after this to ask her, but you know, she did, she did grow up very differently from me, um, who grew up in New York city, like in the music industry, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like it's, it's totally different worlds. And I think every time that I wanted to go out to a show or party and be back at like one in the morning, she totally freaked out because of course to her, that was, that was crazy. (laughs) You know, that was (laughs) literally crazy. Like, of course she freaked out and of course she worried because it was unknown territory. And I I think that sometimes we, we really have to kind of explain to our parents, like this Mm -hmm. is a different world that we're living in and try to understand each other as best as possible. Yeah. We Um, become, Oh God. Yeah. That, that's just like my, my one thing on a personal note. Um, because I feel like I always share the same professional things. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's definitely a big one for us first gens. And on a professional on a professional note, I think, you know, finding that personal why that I mentioned, and also not being afraid to to ask people who you admire for their help. Um, that's something that's actually helped me quite a bit in finding my footing in in everything that I've done. The you'd be surprised how many people are actually open to talking to you about their journey. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, me, I'm always here to, <laughs> to, to chat about everything, but I think the worst thing that can happen is that someone says no. Right. 
or they don't respond and you're that's not going to kill you i promise it's really not <laughs> yeah oh one thing i forgot to ask about the um, which relates to kind of the nose that you might get when you're reaching out to people is how did you navigate um, the nose uh, when you started pitching your book or like that rejection? Because um, in many ways, I think Latinas and first gens, we have a thick skin, but we're also navigating new territory. So I'm sure it stings a little when someone says no, or when you're applying to a job and you don't hear from the recruiter or you apply to university and you get rejected from a program, how do we deconstruct and saying it's not really it doesn't say much about who you are as a person as a whole. It's just maybe not the right thing for that moment. But how do you navigate that? Um, I think just reminding yourself that what you're doing is important to you and it will also be important to the right people. Mm. Um, I think that like I just look at the way that all of this book stuff panned out for me and I got very lucky to not only have a deal with Mango but also have the best team working with me on my book like I think 85% of the people who worked on my book were Latinas mm. like Latina editors Latina designers Latina publicists like I I'm so lucky to be able to say that and that would not have happened had I gotten guesses from other places and signed before I got to mango like it just everything happened for a reason Mm -hmm. absolutely I love that that's so poetic (laughs) (laughs) that it was created by Latinas edited by Latinas published by Latinas like that's so powerful yeah (laughs) I'm gonna start crying guys So before I start crying on this podcast, well, I can, all the feelings are um, open and um, there's always space for that here too. Um, I want to read two kind of little mini sections that um, are in the introduction. So you can really get the heartbeat of this book. And then after you listen, go buy the book, my friends, Um, and follow Ashley and everything on her website for the virtual events happening to celebrate her launch and um, celebrate also Women's History Month. We are recording on March 1st, launching this March 3rd, and her book is out in the world. So really quickly, so uh, the intro, welcome to your roadmap to entrepreneurship. It is a magical place to be and you belong here. If you feel like you want to start a business, but don't know what kind of business, adelante. If you have started building your business, but don't know how to take the next step, adelante. If you're looking for strategies and inspiration from experienced entrepreneurs to take your business to the next level, adelante. So adelante, my friends. And then at the end, she says, the purpose of this book is to help Navigate through the beginning phases of launching your passion-filled business, side hustle project, you name it. This is your very own toolkit that you can write in, highlight, and use in whatever way you think will be most helpful to build the foundation of what you want to pursue. I love that because I already highlighted and wrote in everything. (laughs) I'm a writer and highlighter in books. Oh, no, you're muted. Ah, I'm saying this is the perfect book for you then. All right. So since <laughs> since you can see, so you can see the real thing and not just your yeah, my version. PDF. <laughs> but like this is 
this is what it looks like in real life. Um, all the places for you to write in and highlight so many writing fields and <laughs> charts for you to plan. Um, you're, you're going to love this. If you like writing in books, <laughs> you're going to love this. <laughs> yes, I'm so excited to get the official copy um, at home and take pictures of the <laughs> video. <laughs> <laughs> Please do. Please do. I have, I mean, no one has gotten their books yet. You know, there's Amazon <laughs> totally dropped the ball in shipping and literally so did everyone else. So you're not the only one that's still waiting on a book. And I just, I cannot wait. I'm literally like every morning, I hope to wake up to people sending me pictures of them with their books. And every morning I'm still waiting. <laughs> I am still waiting. <laughs> The moments will come and we'll celebrate all month, all year. <laughs> yes, for sure. <laughs> I love it. Any last words of advice, any gems you want to leave our audience with? Doesn't have to be like professional. It can be anything that makes your heart um, sing. Um, I mean, I I hope that you are inspired to go and pursue whatever it is that you want to pursue um and adelante go ahead adelante <laughs> the world is your oyster me encanta me encanta so there you have it my friends our episode with ashley like i mentioned i will put in all the links where you can purchase the books um if you don't have an amazon subscription think about uh, one of the independent bookstores that has the book uh, specifically Cafe Con Libros in New York City, <laughs> in, yes. in Brooklyn, right? Yes, please. Um, I mean, this episode comes up March 3rd. So March 3rd is actually the date of our virtual launch party in, in collaboration with Cafe Con Libros. So if you order your book from them, actually, you'll get a special signed bookmark from me. Um, and they're very, very cute. Um, <laughs> and I highly recommend that you support your indie bookstores. Yes. So thank you so much, Ashley, for having this chat with me. Everyone, make sure you follow, subscribe, rate, review, buy the book, send us videos and pictures of the book, leave reviews for leave reviews for her book on Amazon and on this podcast so you can get all the deets. Uh, thank you so much, my friends. Until the next one. Thank you. Thank you. Gracias. Gracias. There you have it, my friends. That is the episode of College and Career Coffee Chats. Make sure you rate, review, subscribe, like, share, tell your friends, tell your dogs, tell your family, tell your coworkers, tell your colleagues, your mentors, anyone you think would find value in this episode and this podcast. And I hope you follow me on Instagram at Delicia D. Alarcon, on TikTok, TikTok Career Coach for some dancing, some free resources on YouTube at Deli Lingo Academy. And you can always check out the website for updates, DeliciaAlarcon.com, for coaching, support, VIP days, mini courses, free resources and guides. Everything's on the website, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. And make sure you join the free Facebook group where we will do trainings and hype each other up in the college and career hype crew on Facebook. All the links are down below. Let me know if you have any questions, concerns, and anything specific you want us to talk about on this podcast, any feedback you have, I'm always here to listen and learn. So until next time, my friends, cheers. See you in the next episode. Ciao.